You are listening to the Jewel City Podcast. In this podcast, we are coming together for Autumn Revival 2021. Our special guest today is Isaac Carpenter from Christ Temple. Come on, just lift up your voices. We can just remain standing right here. Come on, just lift up your voices to Jesus in this moment. Come on, can we just give him a hand clap of praise? Come on, let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. Come on, if you don't cry out, those rocks will. Don't let those rocks cry out louder than you tonight. You may be seated. Hallelujah. So have you all had a good time so far during this revival? I'm going to ask that again. Have you all had a good time? I know I have had an amazing time. Amazing time. Let's dig right into the text. Can we get into right into this tonight? John chapter 14, verse 6, and I know I'm going to go ahead and give you uh, a warning that I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture tonight. I hope that that will not bore you, but uh, I'm going to be reading probably about 20 uh, different passages of scripture, um, and we're going to let the word of God speak, all right? John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So my question to you tonight is, can anything good come out of this city? I said, commit, can anything good come out of this city? So if you're a note taker, here's my title. It's up to us. Look at your neighbor and say, it's up to us. This move we've been praying for, if you don't see it, it's because of us. If we do see it, it's because of us. So just make sure your neighbor's awake and say it again. It's up to us. It's up to us. So a, a city is made of people. And so in order to change a city, you first have to change the people. Are you following me? So this tells me that a city is only as good as its people. So we're crying out to God during this revival, and we're asking God to revive this city. We're asking God to revive this state to revive this tri-state area, to revive this country. And what he's saying to you, listen, before revival will ever hit my city, it's going to hit you first. It's up to us. Just shout it one more time. It's up to us. It's up to us. And I believe that the reason we have not yet seen a move of God like God wants to have in this city and in this state is because we have not yet changed. Because what did we say in the beginning? We said that a city is made up of people, and in order to change a city, you have to change people. Are you following me? So kingdom over culture, I want you to understand this principle. If you're taking notes, write down kingdom over culture. Kingdom over culture. And so we have people, whether it's in the body of Christ, we have people that are in the world that are wanting to be blessed, that are wanting to operate in the kingdom, that are wanting to get kingdom benefits, but are wanting to walk in worldly principles. Walking in worldly principles, but expecting kingdom benefits. Are you hearing me tonight? So what God is wanting to do is strip away culture, and he's wanting to deposit kingdom 
I don't know about you, but, but we're going to have church tonight, all right? So what God is wanting to do, and this is what I see God wanting to do all over across this state, is he's wanting to make sure in order to bring revival, he's got to strip away everything that is unlike him within the church. He's got to take everything and strip it all away, every bit of culture, so that the kingdom has a throne to sit at. Are you following me tonight? Kingdom over culture. And I just came to tell you that you cannot be in both. You can't have a foot in the culture and a foot in the kingdom. Our Bible says that what? That's lukewarm and he'll spew you right out of his mouth. And so what we see is we see so many people trying to battle the fence on, on one day living for kingdom and the other living for culture. And I came to declare to you tonight that the devil owns that fence. So if you're straddling this thing, you're straddling this thing, then that tells me right here who you are a property of and who your owner is. Because the enemy owns the fence. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. The enemy owns the fence. So we see, we've seen no changes in our city. We've seen no changes in our state because the people of God have become stagnant. I know this word may be a little harsh, but this is where God is taking the body of Christ. And I feel that God, what God is wanting to do tonight is he's wanting to be like a spiritual chiropractor. And just, just every single part of us that's not in alignment with him, he's just wanting to crack and move everything so that when he moves, as we talked about last night, there's structure to withhold the glory when it falls. Kingdom over culture. Kingdom over over culture. Shout at me, it's up to us. It's up to us. So in order for the city to get right, we've got to get right. It's up to us. And I'm going to be talking about five things. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down these five things. And in these five things, we're going to talk about what each one of them means and share some scripture. So these are five things that I believe are going to open the door for this move. Number one, hunger. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down hunger. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger, somebody shout hunger, and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Notice that in this scripture, it says those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall which means it's a guarantee, which means there's no room that if you hunger and thirst, maybe on certain days you'll be satisfied. No, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be satisfied. It's a guarantee. You can take it to the bank that if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be satisfied. Psalms chapter 81 verse 10. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Somebody shout anyone. So this tells me right here that if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is hungry for him, he will satisfy. And this breaks the lie of the enemy that says you're not good enough. He can't touch you. You don't have this going on. You came from the wrong family. You came from the wrong background. No, it says if anyone. That means this thing, this move is for what? For anyone. If anyone. So my question to you tonight, if you're taking notes, is what are you hungry for? 
What are you hungry for? What can't you go without on a daily basis? Because that thing that you can't go without on a daily basis is where your hunger lies. If you can't go a day without spending time in the presence of Jesus, that's where your hunger lies. But if you can go a day and not spend time in the presence of Jesus, that tells me you're not hungry for him. Because when you're hungry for something, you will do whatever it takes to So if you're hungry for a move, if you're hungry for Jesus, you'll do whatever it takes to see revival come. Amen. What are you hungry for tonight? What are you hungry for? The proof of your desire is in your pursuit. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. The proof of your desire is in your pursuit. So whatever you pursue tells me what you're hungry for. So if you tell me that you're hungry for a move and I don't see you pursuing Jesus, then you're not hungry for him. Because the proof of your desire is in your pursuit. We, are you following me tonight? The proof of your desire is in your pursuit. So whatever you're pursuing is where your hunger lies. And the thing that I've come to find out about hunger is that hunger will drive you for more. Because you cannot have an appetite for something that you've not yet tasted. If I have never, and you all know if you've been here yesterday, you, you, knew, you know by the introduction that I'm very picky. So if I have never had a Chick-fil-A sandwich, bless the Lord. If I have never had a Chick-fil-A sandwich, then I can't have a hunger for it. Because you can only hunger for something that you have already tasted. You can only have an appetite for something that you've already tasted. So my question to you tonight is if you're not hungry for him, then you haven't tasted him like I have. Because when you've tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord, there won't be a day, a moment, an hour, a week that you cannot be in the presence of Jesus. Do I have anybody hungry for him tonight? I'm not saying anybody hungry for a move. I'm talking about anybody hungry for the king. Because when you get hungry for the king, a move will follow. But when you get hungry for the move, Jesus will pass right by. And that's why I feel like we haven't seen a move yet. It's because we've got people praying for a move, but not praying for Jesus. The move will follow the king. The move will follow the king. What are you hungry for tonight? What are you hungry for? You will never find, and when I, when I was doing study on this message, I was doing studies on great revivals that have happened all across this country. And one thing in interviews when they were, when they were asking the William Seymours of the world, the Charles Finney's, the Smith Wigglesworth, these great men, and, and Catherine Kuhlman, these great men and women of God, when they were asking them things about revival, this is one thing that they said. They said, you will nev- we never found revival in a place where people were living off of old encounters with the Father. They said revival, everywhere we went, revival was found in a place and in a group of people that just had fresh encounters with the Father. And here is what I fear. I fear that we have men and women of God 
that have not had an encounter with Jesus except for the first initial encounter that they had with him. You may have been saved for 20, 25, 30 years old, and you're trying to strive and go day to day living off the ashes of, off of encounter 20 years ago. And what God is saying tonight, what he's screaming from heaven, is saying, in order for me to move in this earth again, in order for me to bring a revival in this earth, my people have got to have a fresh touch of me. He's saying, stop living off the ashes of yesterday and jump in the river, jump in the fire of God while it's hot, because if you don't jump on this train now, it's going to pass you by. Don't live off of an encounter 20, 30 years ago. Because my Bible says that he wants to what? Take us from glory to glory. So the glory that you feel tonight shouldn't even compare to the glory that you feel tomorrow. What are you hungry for tonight? What are you hungry for? I'm going to give you an example. Uh, my wife and I, we, it was right after we got married, it was probably a couple months, we, we, got, a, we got a puppy and he, he'll be two months in February. He's a husky. Or two years, I'm sorry. Two years. Woo! Two years. Two years. He'll be two years. This just goes to tell you how energetic he is. Sometimes I lose my train of thought. So he'll be two years in February. And, and during the process of while I was trying to train him, I will say this. If you don't have time on your hands, do not get a husky. Because they, they require every bit of your attention. So in the process of me training him, there was one day I was going back to my office in my house and I think I had a bag of chips or something and, and, and I grabbed them in the kitchen and I'm walking to, I'm walking to the office and I, I hear him behind me and he's following me waiting for the crumbs in my hand or something to fall out of the bag so that he can eat it. And I look at him and his name's Coda. I said, Coda, what are you doing? And I look over in the corner and his bowl was full of food. And instantly the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, this is what we do so many times as men and women of God. We follow the pastors around and we follow the leaders around in the church, following around like dogs, just waiting on the crumbs that they have spent hours and days in the presence of Jesus to get. And we follow them around just hoping that they drop a crumb. Meanwhile, there's a four-course meal called the Bible that's free and available to you, but we spend our entire life following leadership around, just waiting. I'm just waiting for a crumb to fall out of your lap. I'm just waiting for this to happen. And meanwhile, you've got everything that you need. And, and here is what this move is going to take. It's going to take personal responsibility. See, it's not just the pastors and the leaders of this house to pray in this move. No. Every revival that's ever happened in this world happened because there was a body of believers that fasted and prayed and sought the face of God. Not just the pastors, not just the leaders. It was everybody understanding, I have a responsibility in this thing. That's why the title of this message is It's Up to Us. It's not up just to the preachers. It's not up just to the pastors or the prophets or the evangelists or the teachers. No, it is up to us. Somebody shout up at me, it's up to us. It's up to us. Number two. Repentance. Repentance. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write repentance down. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus, not me, not pastor, but Jesus, 
begin to preach saying, repent. We could just preach right there. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Second scripture, Acts chapter three, verse 19. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Luke chapter 15, verse seven. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Acts chapter two, verse 38, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So my question tonight is what is repentance? I'll begin with what repentance is not. Repentance is not a cute little prayer that you say to just ease your mind. Repentance is not somebody twisting your arm down to the altar just so you can feel good. It's not a, as you've probably heard this before, it's not a fire insurance or get out of hell free card. This is not repentance. Repentance is a renewing of the mind. Somebody shout at me, a renewing. It's a renewing of the mind. When someone has truly repented, and they begin to walk in discipline, and they begin to get discipled, there's a change in taste. There's a change in like. There's a change in attitude. There's a change in words. There's a change in preference. There's a change in friends. There's a change in music. My friend, when you really have an encounter with Jesus, and you really repent, everything about you changes. There's not anything in you that is the same after you encounter King Jesus. Everything about you changes. You can't accomplish anything. I want you to understand this. You can't accomplish anything in the kingdom until this is first done, repentance. You can't accomplish anything until repentance is done. John chapter 3, verse 3. He said, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Can I tell you tonight that there is only one way to the Father? He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And no one, somebody shout no one, no one comes to the Father but by me being Jesus. It doesn't matter how much money is in your bank account. It doesn't matter how famous you are. It doesn't matter your popularity or your successes in life. No one will see the Father but going through Jesus. No one. Number three, the Holy Spirit. Number three, the Holy Spirit. I want you to write that down. Number three, the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. And we, we, may, we may have a little shouting match here, if that's all right. Number three, Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is somebody shout the rest at me. Freedom. freedom. Come on, freedom. Now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Notice it's a guarantee. 
It doesn't say, maybe if my spirit hovers, there may be a chance freedom's available. No, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Meaning that when the spirit of God is in a room, freedom is available to whoever wants it. Freedom from addiction, freedom, deliverance, whatever you need. When the spirit of God is in the room, when heaven cracks open and heaven invades a room, the impossible becomes possible and whatever you need is made available to you. When the Spirit of the Lord enters a room, freedom is right behind. John chapter 14, verse 16. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another counselor, that he may be with you forever. Shout, he's a counselor. John chapter 14, verse 26, we see this again. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I've told you. Acts 4.31, when they got together, the place that they were assembled began to shake. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Somebody shout boldness. Acts 1.8, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. Somebody shall power. Power to talk right. Power to live right. Power to say yes when you need to say yes. Power to say no when you need to say no. Power to obey. Power, power, power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witness in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Notice, when I was studying this a while ago, notice the order in this scripture in Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and then you shall be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is within him? Likewise, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. No one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. When I was in Bible college, one of my professors said this, and we kind of joke about it, but it's so true. The Holy Spirit will do for you what a phone booth did for Clark Kent. You'll get in that phone booth looking like Clark Kent, but you come out of that phone booth with su like Superman. And this is a perfect example of what the Holy Spirit will do for you. You try to live life without the Holy Spirit, you will live an unempowered, boring life. But you get the Holy Spirit on you, you will live a life full of power, trample on scorpions and serpents. Come on, do I have anybody in the house tonight that knows what I'm talking about? This is what the Holy Spirit will do for you. This is what the Holy Spirit will do for you. Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 21. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. <laughs> Verse 17. This may make some of you all shout. And in the last days, somebody shout, that's today. 
In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Somebody shout all. That includes me, that includes you, that includes your son, that includes your daughter, that includes your neighbor, that includes your co-worker. He will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And this next part, if you have children, this should get you excited. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams so i just came to declare over this house that if you got children your sons and your daughters are about ready to prophesy your sons and your daughters are getting ready to tell devils where to go your sons and your daughters are getting ready to tell mountains be thou removed and cast into the sea your sons and your daughters are about ready to prophesy prophesy. Why? Because in these last days, he shall pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And I believe we are in those days when heaven is about ready to open and he's getting ready to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. It doesn't matter what background. It doesn't matter the creed. It doesn't matter the color. It does not matter what matters as he's about ready to do it. I said he's about ready to do it. He's about ready to pour out his spirit and you better get ready because when that thing pours out, we're not, what we see today is not going to look like the way we see it today. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Huh? And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And this is why I think the enemy attacks different age groups. Because the enemy is afraid that what would happen when the young and the old begin to go, go together. Uh, see, this is why the enemy doesn't want there to be a bridge. He wants to separate. You're, the, you're part of the younger generation. You're part of the older generation. No. What, what would happen? Just think for a moment. What would happen if we had the wisdom of old and the tenacity of the young? What would happen if we would get together? And I think that's why the enemy is so scared because why? Your young men will see the vision. And what? Your old men shall dream dreams. So what would happen if we got a vision connected to a dream? Uh, help me tonight, church. And see, this makes me happy because then I go down a little farther to Acts 1-5. <laughs> and this is what it says, Acts chapter 1 verse 5. It says, for John the Baptist was baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Somebody shout, not many days from now. It may be tonight. It may be tomorrow. It may be sometime this week. But not many days from now. Huh. I feel them in the room tonight. Do you feel them? Number four, sacrifice. Sacrifice. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even... The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if Jesus came to serve, what makes you think that you don't have to serve? <laughs> I'm blown away by the people that get connected in a church. And I, I had a friend come to me a, a little bit shorter of a year. And his life just got radically changed. And he was part of a, of a church in Ohio. And he came to me and he was excited. He was like, I've gotten a part of a church. I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I said, where are you serving at? 
He said, I, I've been there a little over a year and a half and I'm not serving. I said, well, you need to start serving because if Jesus came to serve, then why in the world aren't you serving? Luke chapter six, verse 35. Notice we're talking about sacrifice. Luke six thirty-five. I know this is a lot of scripture, but are you following me? I'm trying to bring revelation to the points that I'm getting you so you don't think it's just some guy up here just speaking. Luke 6, 35, but love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. Somebody shout nothing. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the highest. See, we have a hard time and I have a hard time myself. The Lord's working on me is loving your enemies, doing good, and listen to this last part, lending and hoping nothing in return. Helping your brother and sister, helping the unsaved, but hoping for nothing in return. Nothing in return. Philippians chapter two, verse four. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Hebrews 13, 16. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So this tells me that sacrifices please God. That your sacrifices grabs attention of Jesus. That your sacrifice grabs his attention. Can I say this? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Self-sacrifice is entry-level Christianity. Self-sacrifice is entry-level Christianity. If you don't learn to self-sacrifice, then it's going to be extremely hard to do anything else in the kingdom of God. Self-sacrifice is beginning stages. It's entry-level in Christianity. This is why when, when you fast and you do it correctly and, and you have set apart a time in your day to spend it with God and you have consecrated yourself, this is why when you do fasting, you feel so, you feel, I, I know I'm not the only one, but if you have ever fasted in the room, you're going to know what I'm talking about. When you fast, it literally feels like you could reach out and just touch God. Why? Because in that moment, you have sacrificed self. You have put self and flesh on the altar and then have done what? You've raised up your spirit, man. So self-sacrifice is entry-level Christianity. Self-sacrifice, it grabs the attention of God. Number five, number five, this is the last one. If the worship band won't mind to join me, we're gonna, we're gonna land this thing right here. Number five, holiness and righteousness. Somebody shout holiness, holiness. righteousness. First Peter chapter one. Verse 15 and 16. But as he who has called you is holy, shout he's holy. So be holy in all of your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. I couldn't have found a more obvious scripture. Be holy for I am holy. Leviticus 20 verse 7 and 8. Consecrate yourself, therefore, and be holy. For I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my statutes and do them. For I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. 
You've probably heard this if you've been in church for any time. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 17. Therefore, come out, somebody shall come out. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Somebody say separate. Says the Lord. Notice I didn't say this. So if you don't like this scripture, you can take it up with the Lord because it says, says the Lord. And touch no unclean thing. And when we think of this, we automatically think, don't touch in anything dirty. Yeah, that's a part of it. But I believe what this scripture is also saying is when it says, don't touch anything that's unclean, it's saying, don't touch anything that's dead. Don't touch anything that's not producing life. Why put effort, energy, and time into something that's not producing life? That's what this scripture, I believe, is saying. Do not touch what is unclean. If we could just stand onto our feet all across the sanctuary. I'm going to speak just for a little bit more, but we're going to land this thing right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This word holy that we just talked about, this word holy, it means separate. So when God is saying, be holy for I am holy, he's saying, be separate for I am separate. This is why the angels around the throne of God, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, are crying out holy. Holy. What they're saying is, you're in your own category. You're separate. There's no one like you. We've searched all over. and We can't find anybody like you. You are holy. You are separate. So here's my clarion call tonight. The reason why this message was a little shorter than today is because I feel like God wants to speak to a lot of people in the room. If we could just close our eyes right here in this moment. Hands lifted. Hands lifted in this moment. If you want to be a part of this move, and I don't want anybody moving right now, I'm going, to, I'm going to let you all know when you can come to the front. But if you are serious about this move, and you say, God, whatever it takes, you can count me in. Whatever sacrifice it takes, you can count me in. No matter how much prayer, no matter how much worship, no matter how much time I need to spend with you, you can count me in. If this is you tonight and you're saying, listen, I want to be a part of this move. I want to put my hand to the plow and I want to push and push and do whatever it takes to see revival break out. If you're ready for a change in this city, if you're ready for a change in this state, if you're ready for a change in this country and you've come to the realization as I was speaking tonight that listen, it's up to me. I've got a part in this thing. I'm responsible for something in this move. If you have understood that tonight, I want you to come to the altar in this moment. Come on, you understand that I want to be in this move. But you're not just saying tonight that you want to be in this move, but you're saying, I'm taking personal responsibility that whatever it takes, I'm willing to do it. No matter who leaves, no matter who betrays me, no matter who mocks me, no matter who ridicules me, I'm in this thing for the long haul.
If that's you, I want you to make your way to the altar. Come on, make your way to the altar right now. Come on. Come on, make your way to the altar. You're ready to get serious about this thing. Come on, we've played. We've played with our relationship with God long enough. We've talked about this move long enough. We've heard prophetic word after prophetic word spoken over this state. But today, we step into the prophetic word. Today, we step in and we put action to the word that's been spoken over this state. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go into a moment of worship. And here's what I believe in this moment. You need to ask God in this moment. God, you need to ask him two questions. God, what in me needs to be removed or what is hindering me from being a partaker and pushing this thing? Second thing, you need to let God and make a covenant with him in this moment that you're serious. That the days of playing with your relationship with him, the days of not really being serious about this move, those days are over. But today, you're making a covenant and you're saying, listen, I'm serious about this thing. So Father, right now, we ask that your spirit would break out, break through, and break over over this house. Father, we ask that your conviction, not condemnation, but your conviction would fall right here and over this place. God, convict us of all the way to the small things in our life. God, that may be out of place or that we've done wrong that could hinder us from helping push this move. God, if there is anything within us that is unlike you, we ask right now, you would just take it away. God, we're reminded, as you said in Psalms 24, God, give us clean hands and a pure heart. Give us clean hands and a pure heart, oh God. God, if there is anything that is attached to us that is unlike you, we ask that you would remove it right now in this moment. God, may your conviction just permeate over us right now in this moment. Father, we ask that you would raise up men and women in this hour. That, Father, that will seek your face in the morning that'll seek your face in the middle of the day, that'll seek your face right before they go to bed. God, that'll wake up hungry for you, that'll go to bed and can't sleep until they've been in your presence. God, raise up warriors, raise up fighters, raise up a mighty, great army in this hour. Father, there's nothing else that we want but God, if you would strip everything away, God, at our core, we just want to be in your presence. And Father, may your conviction and your power be so heavy on our lives, Father, that it leads others to repentance. Thanks for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. If you're not already subscribed, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Share it with your friends, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube.